Roy, it's a privilege to be asked to come again tonight to bring the word. And I want to bring a wee word both to everybody and seek to wrap it all up because there's so much that you and I can learn in this wonderful book of the Acts this evening. I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 9. Very, very well known and very familiar passage of scripture. This is a very high pulpit. Amen. I'm not going to pick and wee Gordy again, but if he was behind it, you wouldn't see him. <laughs> Turn to the book of Acts chapter 9. Yeah. Good friend in the Lord, him and Paul, really are. Acts chapter 9. This is all about the conversion of the Apostle Paul. You know, we read about the Apostle Paul, and he's a wonderful character. He's a wonderful study. He's known as the Apostle Paul after his conversion, but before that he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a very religious bloke and all the rest, and, 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 and was held to high esteem of those of his own. And he was looked up to by many of his elders, even though he was younger. He would have, been, he would have known more and would have been more educated and all the rest. And, uh, but this boy called Saul of Tarsus, we come in contact with him at a time of martyrdom. He's introduced to us there at the time when Stephen stood forth, who I would say is the Paul before Paul, who stood boatless as he, as he spoke to a crowd of people and he ministered the truth to them. He gave them a history lesson right from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, right down to the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he wasn't a bit afraid of them. He was fearless as he stood before them. But the outcome at that time for him was that the, the crowd turned on him like vicious animals and they cast him out to the place of execution and they stoned him. But before stoning him to death, they put their, their coats down at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That's the boy we want to look at this evening. And Saul would have been right at the front of the crowd there as they took to remove their jackets. The reasoning be you move your jackets because you were going to throw the stones and you didn't want anything to hinder you. And it's like going to do a day's work, you'll not do it with your jacket on. You get it off and you do a day's work better with it off on the right occasion. And they stoned Stephen. Stoned him to death for his faith and for his message. And for his faithfulness. And they watched the saint of God die before their eyes. And as they watched the saint of God die before their eyes, they heard things. Saul heard things that day. He watched a saint die and I believe he never forgot it. I believe at the death of that execution of Stephen, at the execution of Stephen there when he died as a martyr for Jesus Christ, I want to say this, I personally believe that there were things that he saw and that he heard, and not only in the man's ministry, but in his prayer before he died, which had a means of bringing conviction upon his heart. For there were two things that Stephen prayed for on that day of his execution. Number one, he prayed, Lord Jesus, would you receive my spirit? You see, Stephen knew before he came to die exactly where he was going. He knew that to be absent from the body would be present with the Lord. He knew like David of old, where David could say in Psalm 23, at the end of it, in the last verse, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dear friend, you can know this scene of eternity, this side of eternity, where your soul's going to be when you die. It's either goes to one of two places. It'll either go to heaven to be with the Lord or it'll either go to be hell. It'll either go to hell and you'll be without him for all eternity. In the caverns of the damned, it's unthinkable. And Stephen one day heard the message of the gospel. Stephen one day heard of his, ma- of his need of salvation. And Stephen one day gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ and became a great servant for God and died in doing so. Saul heard these things. Not only did he pray, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, but then the Bible says as he knelt down, he shouted with a loud voice that everyone could hear. And he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Don't hold it against them. 
I often wonder where he learned the lesson. I often wonder where he got the attitude from. Well, I think he got it at the cross. I think he heard about what the Lord said, those seven statements that Christ made on the cross. Thank God one of them was, it is finished, and the price of our redemption was paid in full in his own crimson ruby blood. But listen, there's something else the Lord Jesus prayed on the cross which is very significant. The Lord says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as you and I sat at the table this morning and partook of the emblems which remembered us of the death and the crucifixion and the brutality that our Lord suffered at the cross, when the Bible tells us they left his body like a ploughed field, he hung on that cross unrecognizable. He was just a mass of mangled mangled blood and spittle and flesh cut to threads. And there on that cross Jesus could say, Father, would you forgive them? For they know not what they do. I think that's where Stephen got the attitude from. He wanted to be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that day began not only to be in agreement with the martyrdom of Stephen, but he wanted to go further and he began to persecute the church in the book of Acts at chapter 8. And the Bible tells us as he began to persecute the church there that they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. But he wasn't only content to persecute the church eh, that was that was there at Jerusalem at that particular time and there was a scattering and another one of those friends of Stephen that was scattered was a boy called Philip. He's one of my favourite characters in the Bible. He's one of the boys that I began to read about when I first got converted and motivated me for serving the Lord and doing something for God. Whatever it might be, small or whatever. It was him that motivated me through the reading of his life. And he's a wonderful character. But when we get to chapter 9, we can see him here and he, 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 he's, he's looking to go a wee step further. Now that picks up our reading tonight where we want to be. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and desired of the high priest letters to Damascus to the synagogue that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now listen to this. And he fell to the earth, verse 4 tells us, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 5. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now listen to what he then said. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I put it to you there that he's speaking about something that's happening within his heart. There is a hardening of his heart. There is a rebellion there in his heart. Rather than turning to the Lord, I want to tell you something. As that boy stood and listened to Stephen that day, defend the Lord and defend the Lord's people and defend the word of the Lord, I want to tell you something. He never missed the cross. And I believe that that, that as Saul stood and listened, he heard the message of the gospel through the lips of the servant of God. But not only had the ministry of Stephen an effect upon him, but the martyrdom of Stephen had an effect upon him because he seen a saint die who knew where he was going, prepared to meet the Lord and was happy to do so. And I believe that the, these are we indicators that had an effect on the, on, on the heart and life of Saul of Tarshish and when the Lord stopped him here as he made his journey to Damascus, as he reached the gate of Damascus, suddenly... Out of the blue, there came a light from heaven at midday. That light was above the brightness of the sun. And from that light there came a voice. There came a call. And that call was personal. That call was for Saul. And for Saul alone. And it said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
Be careful what you do with Christians. Be careful what you say about Christians. Whether you're saved or whether you're not, you're talking about the apple of God's eye. He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting them? He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why? Because the family of God are blood-bought saints. Christ is the head. We are the body. And whatever part of the body gets hurt, the head will be affected. So it's a wee lesson for us, me. And it's a wee lesson for us all just to be careful what we say. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I just, that was the first prayer he ever made. Here's an unsaved man. He has been spoken to by the Lord, called by the Lord unto salvation. Right? And he's changed completely. You see, a little later in his writings, because he wrote wrote the most of your New Testament scriptures, led of the Lord. And this is what he said to a church at Corinth. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I want to tell you something. That was a reality in the life of Saul. Saul's life changed. His name changed. He became known as the Apostle Paul. And the first, the first prayer that came out of his mouth was this. Listen, Lord, what would you want me to do? There was a willingness to give his heart and his life to the service of the Lord. And I want to tell you he did it. And he served the Lord from that day forward. And when it came to the point of time, many years later, when Saul, when Paul the Apostle was to be martyred, I want to tell you something. He stood before a young man called Timothy, whom he wrote a letter to. And he said some wonderful things to him. He says, listen, Timothy, I have run my race, and I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. And I'm ready to go. My race is run. And what Paul was doing with Timothy is this. He was handing over the gospel button. And he's saying to young Timothy, Look, son, you run on. Carry on the work that God has given us to do. And you and I are here today in the year of 2019 to carry on the work that those New Testament saints in the early days began and what a work it is. We're here to carry it on. This was the day of his conversion. He said, Lord, what will you have me to do in verse 6? And I better stop my reading because I'm preaching my reading. And the Lord said unto him, I want you to arise. Arise and go into the city 
and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Isn't that lovely? I want you to stop there for a wee minute. I want, I want you to see this. This is absolutely amazing. So you see, old Jonah, old Jonah said these words, salvation is of the Lord. Full stop. It's of the Lord. Okay. The Lord answers him back. He says, I'll tell you what to do, Saul. I want you to arise and uh, I want you to go into the city. And you see in the city, it will be told thee what thou must do. Now the question has got to be asked just now, who's going to tell him? You see, God has everything set in order. He has everything planned. He sent him to the street called Straight. That's where he was to go. Now, he had to be led by the hand on this occasion. The reason being because he became blind. And he remained blind for the next three days and three nights. He was led by the hand into the city. He was led to the street called Straight. He was brought to the house of a boy called Judas who lived in that, east, that, that, that street. And my Bible tells me that he remained there blind for those three days, that three-day period. Now listen to this. The Bible also says he neither ate nor he neither drank. There was something else occupying his mind. There was something else occupying his heart. I want to tell you he was overjoyed with God's salvation. If he hadn't eaten or drank, well, what was he doing? Well, the Bible tells us what he was doing. The Lord says, I want you to go to the city, and it will be told thee what thou must do. And the man which journeyed with him, or the men which journeyed with him, they stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. See, he only heard a voice. See, and I could see if there's many people heard the voice of the preacher. But I personally heard the voice of the Lord. There's a big difference. And there's many a man and woman and young person goes to church Sabbath by Sabbath and listen to the voice of the preacher, but don't hear the voice of the Lord. And I want to say this, when you hear the Lord speak into your heart, you'll react, you'll respond, because you know exactly who it is. And therefore Saul arose in verse 8. He arose from the earth, and when his eyes opened, when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but was led by the hand into Damascus. Verse 9 tells us he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now, here's the boy. I asked you the question, who's going to tell him? Who's going to explain to him? Here's another Old Te- or New Testament saying, thrills my soul. See how long an ass. He's not really mentioned a big pile. Just... Just a quiet saint here in the midst of Damascus. But the fascinating thing is this here. Do you see if I would have known what he would have known? I doubt very much if I would have remained in Damascus. I think I would have got out of there as quick as I could. Why? Well, here's the reason. Take a look at what it says. Verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. Again, it's a personal call from God to this man, a personal revelation. And he says, Behold, I am here, Lord. There's a willingness to hear. When God speaks, this man knew that the Lord spoke, and there was a willingness to hear. I want to ask you a question this evening, Christian person. As you read God's word daily and weekly, if you were to take a jotter at the end of this week and just note down those special times where God spoke, I want to tell you something. See, this morning I quoted two wee psalms. And you know where God spoke to me this morning? Sitting on my chair in the living room. And he gave me those two verses. And he gave them to me because he knew the situation that I was in. And he knew what I was going through. And they were very precious. i never forget the morning my father died. I mind him dropping dead beside me on the bed. I mind walking out into the front street. I mind looking up into the, the heavens and saying, Lord, why? 
I thought to myself, I'm going to turn to God's word. Nowhere to turn to, John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And I turned to that chapter because of those early verses. But I just began to read on, and here's what God said. I never forgot it. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you personal. That was the verse I needed. The day that we took our little son in the wee white casket up to Kernan Cemetery as it just was newly opened and we walked up there Mr. Elliot was the man who buried our little boy, two weeks old. And as we went to the grave and we, 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 the grave was dug and we dropped the wee, boy, the, the wee casket into the grave, the wee white casket of our wee boy Joshua. Listen, it was a breaking of our hearts but there was a verse. There was a word from the Lord. And it was a comforting word again. You know what he said? He will not come to me, but one day I will go to him. Personal verses. That means so much. Child of God, is God's word personal to you? I want to tell you something. I personally believe that this book is a neglected book. And I would have to stand here in this pulpit and confess myself this after this evening that I don't read it as often as I should. But it's sad to say there's some Christians go home today or this evening and they'll put their Bible on the shelf or beside the bed and that Bible will not be lifted the next Sunday again. The word of God is precious. It was the call of God to Saul. It was the directive will to Ananias. And when the Lord called Ananias, Ananias says, I'm here, Lord. There was a willingness to listen. I'm here, Lord. And he says, yeah, and the Lord said to him in verse 11, he says, I want you to arise. I want you to go to the street which is called Straight. I want you to inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. But what's he doing? He's praying. He wasn't eating a big feed. He wasn't sitting down to cream buns and biggies. <laughs> he was on his knees praying to the Lord. And if you follow the footsteps of the Apostle Paul from this point of time, right to the day of his death, I want to tell you something, you'll find that he's continually a man of prayer. But Ananias had a fear in his heart to go near him. And I mentioned something there a minute ago. Now watch this here, because this is mighty. He says, I want you to go. The Lord said unto him, I want you to arise. I want you to go into the street, which is called Straight. I want you to go and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for be holy breath. And he has seen in a vision, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. I want to tell you something. Even before Ananias made his journey to the street called Straight, even before Ananias knocked the door of Judas's house, I want to tell you something. Paul knew he was coming. And Paul not only knew he was coming, but Paul knew who was coming. Because the Lord was preparing the way. But Ananias had a fear, verse 13. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. Now here's what he knew. How much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. I know what he has done back there to the children of God. And here he hath the authority in his hands. That authority came from where? That authority came from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. He's come here to do likewise. What he done in Jerusalem to the saints of God. And you go into his testimonies in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26 and you will discover to a deeper degree exactly what he done to the saints, how he persecuted them, how he sought to turn them from their God and how he even was in agreement of seeing many put to the sword. And here's Ananias and the Lord has come to him and he says, Ananias, I want you to go to this boy. Would you have went... (laughs) Boys, boys. 
was like walking into the lion's den. But Ananias didn't know what had happened yet. Because when Ananias asked him, he answered him in this way, the Lord said unto him in verse 15, Ananias, listen carefully, son. He says, I want you to go thy way. You go. Don't question me. Don't be fearful. Go thy way. Why? For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Now listen, and I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I want to tell you something. The Apostle Paul was a chosen vessel. He was chosen of God. He was called by God. He was led by God into the work that God had called him to do. He's a chosen vessel. Now your argument tonight is not with Everett Smith. Your argument tonight is with that verse. Was he telling Ananias a lie? I want to tell you something. God's written all over it. He's a chosen vessel. I want to tell you something tonight. If you're saved tonight, listen, what a privilege we have. I didn't deserve God's mercy. I deserve to be cast into hell. But God commanded his love toward me. In that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And I love him tonight. I love him with all my heart. And I'm looking forward to the day when I'll see him face to face. But it's all because of Calvary. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the reading of the word. Bless it to our hearts. Speak to our souls. Challenge us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to one more portion. We're near well, 15 minutes and I'm going to preach the gospel to you now. Okay, where I want to come to tonight with all these things in mind that we have mentioned this evening. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we have here now the Apostle Paul and well, he's well on his missionary journeys and doing a great work for God. He's seeing wonderful things happen here, there and yonder across the province. Now, he never went on his own. He had always somebody with him and that's a good thing. Company in the work of the Lord. I could take you to many a great Christian tonight who has been sent out onto the mission field alone and they've been battling out there alone. And many of them have been broken and battered and beaten down to the extreme till they've had to give up and come home. And I think it's a good thing to go out in twos. And they may be involved in the work of God as a group, as a company. And we're going to learn this tonight in the next 15 minutes that are before us this evening. Because here in Acts chapter 15, we have his partner in, as he went about doing the mission. Do you see verse 36? And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our plan in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And I think this is a tremendous wee statement. And I think it's a lovely thing to do to encourage those that have been recently saved by the grace of God and to see them go on with the Lord. And here's Barnabas and Paul and they're having a discussion now. They're on this second missionary journey. They've been here, there and yonder preaching a word. And I want to tell you what happened through his ministry. There was revival broke out no matter where he went. It was either a a revival or a riot. One or the other. But he was effective wherever he went. And here we have Paul and Barnabas. And they're sitting down here and they're having this wee talk. And Paul says, Barnabas, do you know what we should do? We should go back over our tracks and visit our brethren to make sure they're all okay. You ever think of asking a believer, is he okay? Fellow saint. Maybe has slipped or fallen by the way. Rather than talk about them, you'd be better go and help them.
Somebody said, an Old Testament saint wrote a book many years ago, he says, listen, the Christian church sometimes is the only church that is the only army that barriers weren't it. I want to tell you something. You can fall and I can fall. And who knows what's around the corner for any one of us. And I hope... I hope it doesn't happen, but I want to say this. If it does happen, I hope there's a good brother or sister there willing to give a hand. Mind hearing the story, and it's a fascinating one, of a boy who had been attending a, a, a gospel mission in Belfast. And he took a lot of drink and spent most nights of the week in the pub. Drank the bit out. And one night, however, he found himself in the mission. And as he sat in the mission, he heard the message of the gospel for the first time. And you know what he'd only responded? And he came to the Lord in that mission. And boys, everybody was overjoyed. And for a week or two, everything was going well. And he was out at the prayer meeting and, and got himself a Bible and was seeking to go on with the Lord. And, and then one day he was sitting at home and he thought about something. And because the last time he had been at the local pub down the street, he hadn't enough money in his pocket to pay for the final drink that he had drank that night and it had been put in the book I owe you and he was sitting at home and he remembered about what he owed that man in the public house and he thought to himself well I need to go and pay my debt but I owe a man and he headed down with the money in his pocket whatever it was and he headed through the public door and the boys seen him coming and he shouted oh it's good to see you I haven't seen you for a long time and he says well I'm not here to stay I'm just here to pay my debt and he took the money out of his pocket and he handed it over the counter to the man on the other side of the bar he says listen I owed you that money and I forgot about it and he apologised and he told him what had happened and how he come to the Lord and he walked out of the public house He said, Sir, you'll never see me back here again. Neither was he back. But you know what happened as he was walking out the door? A Christian who was in the same local fellowship where he was now worshipping seen him. And before he got back to the midweek prayer meetings, it was the whole talk of the church that Johnny was back in the pub. I seen him. I watched him. I should have took a picture. He's back with a drink. It was a false accusation. Only the man was now spiritual enough to overcome it. It could have been the ruination of him. And what they thought they saw, they never seen at all. And thank God he went on for the Lord. I want to tell you something. Over recent weeks and months and this past number of years, I've seen many broken Christians. Sat down and talked to them along the highway, in the quiet. sought to seek them, see them, encouraged and go on with the Lord. Big man sitting crying beside you in the seat. Fallen. Felt that dishonored the Lord and dishonored themselves and dishonored their family. So did David. So did Peter. So can you. Peter was restored. What a difference he made. David was restored. And what a man he was. Always be careful. What you see. What you say.
and just get down on your knees and pray. Barnabas and Paul had a dispute here in this 15th chapter. The dispute was over John Mark. Now, who was right and who was wrong? I'm not going to make the judgment. You know what I'm going to do in heaven someday? I'm going to sit down and talk to them both. And it was a heavy dispute. Well, you wouldn't think you'd see Christians argue, would you? They'd near tear the heads off themselves and say, Yeah. I'm going to tell you something that can happen. And Paul and Barnabas, so great was the dispute, it was so great that they separated and went their different ways. And old Barnabas, he picked up John Mark. He says, I'm taking him, woman. Paul didn't want him. And therefore Paul brought Silas. He took Silas with him. And then they went around everywhere visiting and seeking to win the loss for the Lord and, and encouraging the saints. And everywhere they went, the Bible says there in chapter 16 and verse verse 5, it says, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. I want to tell you something. There was always something happened with their ministry. And I want to say this, they didn't have the capabilities that we have today of the internet and, the, and all this type of thing. And there was no invitations going out. There was no announcements over the radio. It was just two men filled with the Spirit of God going forth with a message of God in their heart. And then we can see Paul and he says to, he's talking to these boys and he says, look, we need to go up into Asia here. We need to visit that area. We need to go into that over See a place over there called Bithynia. We need to go and bring the gospel to these people. And, and Paul's all fired up and he can't wait to get at it. And he's not only fired up in his own soul, but he's fired up the souls of those that's around him. And they're with him. And if he would have went, they would have went. But the Lord says to Paul, I don't want you to go anywhere near it. Therefore he came down to Troas and he bedded down there for the night. And that's where, he, that's where he remained. And he waited to see and waited to hear what the Lord's plan and purpose was for his life. And we can see the plan and purpose in verse 9. For it was here at Troas where he bedded down for the night that the vision appeared to Paul in the night. And in that vision there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. I want to tell you it's called the Macedonian call. For the Lord not only called Saul unto, unto salvation, but I'll tell you this, he called him for something else. He called him to serve. What did he say to Ananias? He is a chosen vessel. What to do? To bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. He's a chosen vessel for me to be used in this day and generation. And here is this call for service now. And he received this call through a vision in the night as he was sleeping. And as he woke the next morning, he knew that this vision that he received was a divine call from his holy God. That God was redirecting his steps. He seen now the reasoning why God had for, forbidden him to go into Asia. Why God had forbidden him to go into Beth Bithynia. He can see now why God wanted him to be in the place where he was. Because God was asking him to go to Macedonia. I want you to get up and go. I want to tell you something. There was nothing in his life was holding him back. Do you see the next morning when he got up? Do you see the response at the call of God? And after Paul had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. I want to tell you, there was nothing holding him back. He didn't have to worry about it. I want to tell you something. He hadn't one peg driven into this earth. He hadn't to remove one tent. He hadn't to sell one house. He hadn't to get the car sold in order to move, to move to another earth. I want to tell you, there was nothing there to tie him to this old earth. And when the Lord called him that night, up he got the next morning. He said, I can see him smacking Silas in the ribs, telling him, Silas, get up out of your scratcher, boy, we're going. Where are we going? We're going to Macedonia. Why are we going to Macedonia? Because the Lord has called us what to do? For to preach the gospel unto them. And he went. And he went on land, and he went on foot, and he went on sea. 
And he made his journey. And he eventually reached his destination. And he, he, he arrived in a place called Philippi, which the which Bible tells us here exactly where it is, verse 12. They sailed from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and the colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And I want you to see this here. I want you to see it. He's in the city. He's here for several days. How long he's here? Not just two or three days, maybe. But I want you to see this. He's not going in all guns blazing. He's not going in in here with the message of the gospel all, all guns blazing going and tell he's not he's waiting I put it to you this evening that he's settling in he's watching and he's, he's observing exactly what he's working among but listen before he goes before the people with the message of the gospel he sees a necessity that he needs to go before his God on behalf of the people Prayer was a priority. Prayer was a greater priority in the life of Paul in the preaching. I don't read anywhere in my Bible, Lord, teach me how to preach. That's a gift. But I do read, Lord, teach me how to pray. And before Paul would open his mouth to preach to the people, he thought it's a necessity. I need to be on my knees praying for them first. And Paul and that group of whoever he was with them, maybe four or five, maybe six men, I don't know. I know there was three to four anyway. And as they went down, it came to the Sabbath. The Bible says in verse 13, And on the Sabbath, we, on the Sabbath, we... It didn't say, and on the Sabbath, I. Thank God for a band of praying people. I have the privilege and opportunity of going around many places preaching the word. I want to tell you something. There's something that drives fear into my heart. For when you go into the prayer meetings before, some of the meetings are very, very, very few. Why? Do we think we can do it alone? Do we think that we can make the difference? No. You'll not do it without the Lord. And I'm very, very conscious before I get into any pulpit or do anything for God, whether whether it's among adults or whether it's among children, the priority is I need to pray about it. And I want to tell you tonight, before I have been in this church today, I have been on my knees praying. And I want to thank those who are praying with me tonight. And I can see Paul and the group and the head off down by the riverside. Quietness and the stillness of the river. Do you know why they're there? They're there to seek the face of the Lord. Do you know what they're praying for? They're praying for their missionary endeavor. They're praying for the souls of men and women. They're praying for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. They're praying for a move of the providence of God in the midst of their ministry. I tell you, they're looking for souls. Souls. Souls, lost souls. I used to know an old man, Bill Russell. Old Bill. He used to go to an old prayer meeting with him. And old Bill caught him and sitting beside you. And you see, when he had finished praying, see if you had to take your hand and just wipe the floor between his feet. Your ham would have been wet with the tears that fell from Bill Russell's eyes. Do you know what he is doing? He is praying for souls. Have we lost it? Have we missed something? Has the church today lost the vision? Paul couldn't wait to get at it. Prayed for three things. One. Lord, give these people in here to hear. Bring them in. Listen, we had a mission in Lord Vale. I'm just telling you the truth. I am absolutely overjoyed 
thankful, so, so thankful to God. What a blessing it was over that two-week period to see those you know, faces, new faces coming in every night. In answer to prayer, it just said, to God be the glory. Amazing. Lord, give the people an ear to hear. Number two, Lord, open up their understanding. Speak to their heart. Convict them of their sin. Lord, number three, bring them to yourself. And Paul started after that prayer meeting by the riverside and he began to preach. I want to tell you who he preached to. He preached to a wee woman's meeting. I don't know how many was at it. Let's say there was a dozen at it. Didn't matter if Paul was preaching to one or two or a dozen or two or three thousand. It made no difference. He preached at them as he seen them as a lost soul that needed to be saved. As he preached the message of the gospel to that group of women, there was one young girl, and you called her Lydia. She's standing on the verge of the crowd, whoever's there. And as she stands on the verge of the crowd for the first time in her life, she hears the message of the gospel of the saving grace of God through the person and work of the Lord Jesus. And as she listens to this wonderful man preach the truth, something happens in her heart and she comes to realize that this religious observance that she's about doing here, doing down by the river, for that's the reason why they were there. They were there for religious observances, to worship God. But in this girl's heart, she wasn't saved at all. And down there by the river, as she heard the message of the gospel, she not only heard but the Lord opened her understanding to the point where she came to realize this truth that there's none but Christ who can satisfy none other name for me there's love and there's life and there's lasting joy where's it found Lord Jesus is found in thee and there by the river as she kneeled on her knees maybe in the muck maybe in the mire I don't know I just do not know but I want to tell you she poured out her soul to the Lord and she cried unto the Lord Lord have mercy on me and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that young girl was one of the first converts that took place in the missionary work where God had sent him to mission in the land of Macedonia in the city of Philippi. And that young woman not only opened her heart to the Lord, but I'll tell you, she had done something else. She opened her home, and her home became the meeting place for the church who were now being brought together through the preaching of the gospel. Hallelujah for Paul. Hallelujah for the message that he preached. Hallelujah for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I'm asking you a question tonight here in the lifeboat. Have you got it? Are you saved? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If you were to die this evening and not see tomorrow break daylight, where would your soul be in God's eternity? If you die with the Lord, hallelujah, you'll go to be with him. If you die without him, if you die unsaved, if you die unforgiven, you'll be lost in hell for all of God's eternity without any hope. Why not come to Christ tonight? Why not just come as you are? And he gives you the invitation. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast you out. I'm sitting beside an old lady over this past 24 hours. I'm watching her lying on a sick bed. I'm watching her grass gasping for her. And sooner or later, she's going to breathe her last. She's going out into God's eternity. And it's going to happen to us all. If 
God has spoken to your heart tonight, you know you're not saved. Don't put it off any longer. Come to Christ now for tomorrow. It may be too late. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we have sought to present the message as plainly and as simply as we can. And we know, Father, that we have went through many avenues tonight and looked at many different aspects in the life of the Apostle Paul. What he was, as well as what he became. We thank thee for a supreme example of the saving work of grace wrought in the heart. And Father, I pray like Lydia, maybe there's somebody in the meeting and they are religious. And they attend this meeting week after week and carry their Bible and say their prayers. But they're still not saved. Lord, have mercy upon them tonight, we pray. Give them grace to take that all-important step tonight and to come and accept thee as their own and as their personal Savior. And Father, will be careful to give to thee all the praise and every bit of the glory. For thou alone art worthy of it all. For it's in your beautiful name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.